Thank you, Ginny. Good uh, morning. How are you today? It's good to see you again in the house of the Lord. Yes? yes. Amen. We're healthy and we're here. Well, I told some of my friends in the church last week, after Randy's message last week, I'm going to call in sick. <laughs> I did. I did. But since I've never done it at work, I cannot do it at church. So I tried to get away with it. I couldn't. So I, I have a message. And don't compare it, please. <laughs> God bless him. If you did not hear Randy's message last week, please sign on the website and hear it. It's about the first evangelist in the Bible, or first missionary, which, whichever you want. So today, I thought uh, of bringing the message to you, uh, all uh, what I ask from the Lord is that his name will be glorified. And uh, let's hide ourselves and uh, open our Bibles, please, to the Gospel of St. Matthew. Chapter 17. It's the transfiguration. Chapter 17, Matthew, verse 1. And six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and brought them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three tabernacles here, one for you and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He was a good camper. He wanted to camp there. That's good for you campers. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were much afraid. And Jesus came to them and touched them and said, Arise, and do not be afraid. And lifting up their eyes, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. Move over to verse 14. And when they came to the multitude, came down from the mountain, a man came up to him, falling on his knees before him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and is very ill for he often falls into the fire and often into the water and I brought him to you 
to your disciples, rather, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. And Jesus rebuked him, and the demon came out of him, and the boy was cured at once. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast it out? The answer, before, because of the littleness of your faith. For truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Nothing shall be impossible to you. Do you believe in impossibilities? I do. This is a, a beautiful story. Actually, two stories in one. And I wanted to give a title to my message. And first I said, okay, I'll make it the great healer. Jesus heals, right? Yeah, communicate with me. No one is going to sleep this morning. No one. I am, as I said before, I will call you by name to come and finish the message here, okay? You follow, please. I said the great here. Then I said, no, it's a good, I have a good, uh, good, good title. Christ, the mountain mover. How about that? It's not caterpillar. Or the Japanese, another one, what, Daihatsu. They, they have, they, they, they move, they move quite, Quite good stuff, but Christ is the real mountain mover. A striking canvas painted by Raphael depicts a commentary on the scene that we have read this morning. The painter portrayed the glorious Mount of Transfiguration I don't know where it is now. I think it's in the Vatican. And the frustration of events in the valley below. And put them in one picture. Beneath the mountain is a father. His lunatic son, epileptic, if you will. And nine humiliated disciples down there who are unable to heal the boy. And they look and point to the top of the mountain, to the master himself. While three disciples enjoyed the splendor of a transfigured Christ, nine others experienced disappointment in the valley. They couldn't heal the sick son. They tried to remove this 
difficulty or this problem or this mountain. But they could not do it away from Jesus. And the Lord used it to teach us a lesson. And let's look at the, what the Lord has a lesson for us today. They tried the disciples and failed. Did you ever think why they failed? They tried to drive out the demon from the boy who used to jump into the fire sometimes and then into the water. And thank God that he was still alive. And imagine with me a father's heart looking at his son. Or his mother, we don't know. The Bible doesn't mention anything about her. And they asked the Lord, why did we fail? Why did we fail? Why we were not so successful, though we were successful before? If you look at the same gospel, Matthew, and chapter 10, and verse 1, verse 1, you know what Jesus gave them? Gave them the authority, he said, go and gave over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. You have the authority, he told them. And then he, he, he told them in verse 8 again, in the same chapter, heal the sick. Go, heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you received. Freely you give. He gave them the authority. But in this incident, why they did not succeed. You know, this, after I did so, much, so many research, this teaches us a lesson. You know, they thought that they can, they have a switch. They can turn on the switch, we can heal. And turn off the switch, it's not time to heal. They took it as something they can use like magic. But to heal the sick, to touch this boy with the power of God needs the faith and the nearness of God to their hearts. They were not. They're like us. They thought it's automatic. They have automatic switch. It's not. And this is why he addressed them here. He said, you of little faith. It's not a matter of here. They didn't do anything to raise the kid except say to okay, come out of him. Well, it takes more than that. It takes to be close to Jesus. It takes to be in touch with the Lord. It takes to have faith. And at that hour, at that moment, they didn't have it. And this is why he said this. If you have faith as a mustard seed, you shall say this. 
to this mountain. Well, he was up there. You shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move. You know, in, uh, in the Jewish society, everybody who had a difficulty, a burden, a problem, they used to tell, okay, I have a mountain I, 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 need, to, I need to try and move. And so he referred to their difficulties as a mountain. And so many times, it is the same with us. We feel like there's a mountain over our heads, like there's a mountain over our heart. And we're ta going to talk about these mountains. And we're going to look at them today and see a word and see the, the word of God to us. What does he mean by that? Number one, I thought difficulties or mountains are universal. Do you agree with that? Okay. The man with the lunatic son had a heavy mountain in his life. He had a big difficulty. It's caring for the boy day and night and not knowing whether the boy is going to survive. And he desired for someone to move this mountain off his heart, off his life, off his shoulder, off his mind. Oh, dear ones, difficulties are not restricted to a few in this life. And as I said, difficulties are universal. Do you have a problem? Don't you think others have the same problem? Do you have a situation that you have to face tomorrow or next week? Or you have a deadline you have to meet and you don't know how you're going to face this deadline? You're not the only one. You're not. It's universal. We face, we face, we face deadlines. Illnesses. Difficulties. Situations that we think that we cannot resolve at all. But one thing, God can resolve any difficulty. There are inward difficulties that no one can tell what you have. No one can read your heart except the Lord himself. There's people living with guilt. Yes, no? Okay. Anxiety, depression, frustration. They cannot make sense out of life. And you, you, you see people sometimes like walking like in a daze. And they don't know what to do with the difficulty they have on their mind, on their heart. You say, hi, how are you? Oh, great, wonderful. Right? We put a facade. We are good at putting on facades, aren't we? And something is eating us inside, like this man. This man, he could not enjoy life. And he said, told, told his disciples, the disciples of the Lord, you can try, please. They did not succeed. There are also outward, outward huge mountains. There are maladies, illnesses. Many problems from outside sources that we have no control of. Some have to care for a loved one who happened to have an illness they cannot control. 
Aren't we experiencing that? Some men and women have loved ones laying in bed before their eyes. And they don't know what to do. And they think that there's no one who can help me. There are some relationships that you and I don't know of except the person involved. And these relationships, we look at them, they look at them and say, never, it will never, it'll never be good. It's impossible. How many times do you hear the word impossible? How many? We forget that we have a God who specializes in impossibilities. You think of a son who needs to be saved and you've been praying for him. My dad and mom, they, they were praying for me since I can remember. But they never gave up. God is a God of impossibilities. And guess what? One day I got saved. And God changed my life. The idol who was depressed, hopeless, and could not enjoy life at all, though I put on a great facade. I tried. There came a day when I knelt before Jesus Christ and gave him my heart completely. I said, Lord, I give up. I surrender all. And he changed my life. What was an impossibility became possibility because Jesus was involved. Do you know why we go through many problems in life and we don't we we seem to to hit a dead end because we don't involve the creator, our God, in it. Many are living with hurt today. Many are going through, I don't know, I can't read your mind or you read your heart, but there is a God who can read your heart. And he knows what's going on in your mind today. And this is why I said, Christ is the mountain mover. What is it? Put it in front of him today. And maybe you have some other mountain I did not touch on. And you want this mountain to be removed. And you said, I wish, I wish I can get rid of this thought or this situation. And you go home, you try to sleep, you cannot. You try to entertain yourself, okay, for uh, an hour or two. But then it comes back and haunts you, right? I've been through this. I'm talking out of experience. People sometimes they say, I wish I, I, I can die. I wish to die, right? Some take their own lives because of this. Do you know that? And we read in the papers, we hear the news, and we, in the neighborhoods, or some people tell us about young men, young women, just take their own lives. 
And they think by taking their own lives, it's the end, unaware that this is not the solution. Don't ever think of it. The moment you close your eyes, you're going to open them, either in hell or in heaven. Think of that. You're going to live forever, but you have to choose where do you want to go. Whatever you're going through, I have one word to tell you before I go to my second point. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, the mountain mover. And as we try to move our mountains and get rid of our difficulties and get rid of our burdens and our problems at home or at work or anywhere or at school, okay, we make many mistakes in moving them. My second point, mistakes in trying to move our mountains. The disciples made a mistake. They tried to do it, as I said, with human strength. Themselves, we can see what we're going to show the Lord what we can do. Oh, that's not it. They thought we've done it before, we can do it now. And you know what? We, too, make mistakes like that. We try to find every first thing, I don't know, some people are very, very specialized in this. We try to find an escape route. How to escape this? Some look at the difficulties that face them and try to escape through the following. Some through drugs. This is why we have drugs today. All over the world. Some through drugs. Some through alcohol. Some through relationships that God does not approve of. What I mean by that, sexual relationships. Some, they go into gambling. Some, they say, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm scheduling a weekend in where? Wherever. Think of it. Las Vegas? Oh, yeah. They go with a couple of dollars, they come back completely bankrupt. I've never heard of someone who won anything tangible in Las Vegas. I haven't been there. Thank God, I don't intend to go. But if you have to go for, to work there for conventions, you be careful and stay with the Lord. Some, they go home, they don't have the money. They go home and turn the TV on and stay three, four, five, six hours. This is an escape route. We try to do that. To forget the reality of their situation. Or you, some pursue other avenues. There are some who magnify the mountain. You know what I'm talking about? Who magnify, magnify the difficulty they have. Often people look at some personal difficulty and make a mountain out of a hill. Small problem or a little situation out of the norm 
can we can be blown out of proportion. Some climb the mountain. Well, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna conquer it. The mis biggest mistake we make, and listen to me, is to try to climb that difficulty. We decide that we are going to master it with our human strength. I read about a movie star. And he got cancer. When he got cancer, he went to all the doctors. He had all the money. And they told him, you have cancer, and you have maybe maximum two years to live. He said, and I remember reading about him, he said, I'm going to lick it. I am going. He went to Mexico. They told him there's in Mexico there are some drugs. He went to Mexico and tried the drugs and came back and died a year after that. This does not work. Have you been to the one who moves mountains? Have you been to Jesus? And the last resort will say, you know, it's impossible. No one can do it. How many times we say that? Huh? How many? It's, it's not a possibility. When God is going to do something wonderful, someone said that. It's not me. When God is do, going to do something wonderful, he begins with a difficulty. Remember that. Remember that when you face it, there's something. And if he is going to do something very wonderful, he begins with an impossibility. Take Sarah. You know Sarah, the wife of Abraham, was visited by the Lord. The God of impossible. And he was at the door of the tent. And she was preparing lunch for the Savior. And the Lord said to Abraham, the Lord loved Abraham very much. Because Abraham was a friend of God, close to God. Abraham, next year this time, in about 12 months, uh, your, Sarah is going to deliver and give you a boy, a son. Abraham believed because Sarah in the tent, you know what she did. Uh, God knows how did she laugh because the Lord heard her. He laughed, he said, Sarah, did you laugh? Oh, no, no, I did not laugh. And she was laughing. She was laughing at her age, 90 years old. He said, is there anything Impossible for God. I'm talking to my heart and your heart. Is there anything impossible for God to do? How many times we gave up on things. And you gave up on a subject. You gave up on a person that you've been praying for. And you gave up on a situation that you've been praying for. I say it's impossible. 
And finally said, you give it to God. And in no time, the impossible happened. How many times? This difficulty, God took care of it. And now you are basking in the sunshine of the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times? Jessica, the miracle young lady sitting here, I was there when they diagnosed her about 16 years ago. Said, hey, sometimes you can live five years after that or so. The doctor said it's impossible beyond that. This is the average. That's the measure. We prayed for the impossible. Is Jessica still here after 16 years? Let me ask you, is Jessica here today? We took it by prayer. It's not a switch you turn on and off. You go to the Lord and pray. And ask him. They did not do that. And we say it's impossible. But some. My third point. Is. Overcoming. The mountain. Overcoming the mountain. We make some mistakes as I said. In. Addressing the situation. Overcoming. There are many examples in the Bible. Many examples. But the best example I find in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We're there. Oh, yeah. It's a, about a king. His name is Jehoshaphat. That king heard that the three kingdoms are waging war against him. And the three armies can devour his army in no time. And he looked at the situation and called his generals and they told him it's impossible. We cannot do anything. Read from verse Verse 1 through 21. I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to give you. When he heard about that, and he was a godly man, and he knew there is nothing that could be done, he called his, all his supporters and said, let us pray. Let us pray. It's an impossible situation. They're going to wipe us out. And he, he went to God in prayer. And he said this. Verse 12. Oh, our God. We are powerless. We are powerless. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. 
Is there an impossible situation in your life? But our eyes are upon you. The answer came from God. In verse 14, 15, I'm trying to beat the time. Do not fear or be dismayed, O king, because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Stop battling. Stop making plans. Stop coming to... <laughs> because all the plans, we make mistakes, as we said. And we can say it's impossible. Stop making these plans. Take everything and put it at the feet of Jesus. The battle is not yours. It is God. And verse 17, you need not fight in this battle. Station yourselves. Stand and see the salvation of the Lord on your behalf. Isn't it what he did? Isn't it what he does? How many situations you've been through? How many? And now you look, wow, if it weren't for the Lord, we take it easy. If it weren't for the Lord, God knows where would I have been. Yes, if it weren't for the Lord. Give that situation. Give it to him because he, once you give him the reins, when you give him, then he will act. But once, if you want to be the captain, he will back off. If you want to make a solution, he said, okay, try, try the solution. But if he said, as he said, we have no solution. We have no strength. And above everything else, we don't know what to do. You have a situation, you don't know what to do. I cannot read your heart. If it's business, if it's personal, if it's with children, if it's where, anywhere, if it's at work waiting for you, if it's in the house, whatever, we really don't know what to do. We will do our very best what you gave us, the light that we have. But Lord, here it is, take it. Verse 24. The Lord God told them to go to war. To go, go to war. Verse 24. When Judah, that means the army, came to the, to the lookout of the wilderness, they looked toward the multitude, and behold, they were corpses living on the ground, and no one had escaped. Who killed them? Who won the war? Who did the impossible thing? God did visit his people. And they did not have to lift a finger. And the uh, Bible says the spoil was unbelievable. Unbelievable. This man came. When Jesus came, this man came to him. And he did exactly what Jehoshaphat did. I don't know whether he knew the Bible or not, but he did. And uh, the man, you know what? He overcame his difficulty when he saw Jesus. You know, in the face of Jesus, there's courage. There's comfort. There's peace. There's an answer. Because he never met someone without giving him an answer. 
He never get a woman without giving her an answer. And the man did three things. Number one, he fell on his knees. Number two, he acknowledged Jesus as Lord. Number three, he asked for mercy. This is the only way to overcome your mountain, your difficulty. This is the only way to conquer what's going in your life. He is the only one who can take charge of your special situation. As I said before, I am not reading your hearts. You have to trust him to remove this greatest problem in your life. And you know what? The greatest problem in the life of the world today, in your life, and in your life maybe, is the problem of sin. You can see yourself doing things that you don't want to do, that you hate to do. And sin brings you, takes you by the ear like this and brings you to be slave, to be a slave, it's slave. And that's what it does. That's what it does. And you try to conquer it. You try not to go back to it. You try to overcome it. And maybe you prayed about it. And no answer. You need to come humbly. And put yourself at his mercy. It is, a sin, is it a sin problem? Have you trusted the Lord with it? Have you given him that sin? Excuse me. Or you said, no, no. I will keep some and give you some. Have you bartered with the Lord? One day I heard someone said, well, I tell you one thing. I thought I got saved. And I stood in front of the big public. He is a man from Canada. He said, I, Lord, I give you 90%. How about that? I keep 10. Wouldn't work. Would it, Adam? 90% as well. How about 99%? He said, you have to give me 100%. Lay it down at his feet. Like that king. He was a known king. <coughs> Lay it down at his feet. There are. We cannot. We don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. The mountain mover. Whatever is your problem or difficulty. I take you to Matthew chapter 11. We'll end here. Matthew chapter 11. Three verses, beginning verse 28. You know it by heart. Follow me. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. Are you heavy laden? Are you burdened? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you shall find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy 
and my Lord is light. Have you been struggling? Have you? Has it been 90 and 10 percent? Hasn't been you do, you do, you do your, your share and I'll do my share? Doesn't work this way. God wants you to give him everything. Your difficulty, how big, how heavy is your mountain? You know, that reminds me, I have two sisters at home. <clears throat> and my dad, one day we heard him singing in English. His broken English was disastrous, you know. And he was singing this song. And do you know, since I was maybe 20 years old, I heard it and it never left me. And I want, I want to tell you what it is. He started singing. I, I'm not trying to attempt to singing. I don't want you to leave early, you know. <laughs> to run away, come on. <laughs> he starts playing. Got any bridges you think are uncrossable? Got any mountains you cannot tunnel through? God specializes in things called impossible. He can do things others cannot do. Let's bow our heads. Whatever your burden this morning, come to the healer, to the mountain mover, to the one who can save you and change you. And ask him humbly to come into your life and change your circumstances. And he's able to do it. Our Father, we give you this congregation, each and every one, myself included, all of us, how much we need you. How much we need you to Help us with our struggles in this life and those who are fighting with sin in their hearts, we pray that you enter their lives, change their hearts, change their lives, and give them the peace that passes understanding. We thank you for what you've done and thank you what you're going to do. Take each and every family, every person, Lord, and work with us. Open our hearts to be obedient, to do your will, and to give you charge of these simple lives. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. Amen.